Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Season 4 of Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts. There are two other ones that are joining me today, of course. Daniel Sun. Hey guys, what's up? And Hans. Welcome to season four, guys. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month which is 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode each week for that $5, but you also get access to the entire backlog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 70 extra Patreon episodes, which is over 80 extra hours of listening pleasure. To see the full list of Patreon episodes, go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the Patreon Episodes tab. There you will see an entire list of Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over Jonestown. So you get access to that episode as well as all the others for just $5 a month. Now another way to support the show is through our merchandise. If you want a shirt or a hat, just head over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop button. There we have t-shirts, hats, all that good stuff for sale. And just a little side note, we can only carry a limited amount of shirts and hats. So if our stuff is out of stock, give our Instagram or Facebook a follow because there we make announcements on when we have stuff back in stock. Now, if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressured to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Discord, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click the contact button, and there you will find our email address, and you can send us an email. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Scientology. Now how this episode will go today is that we will go into the backstory of L. Ron Hubbard and then go into the creation of Scientology, strange facts and findings, theories, and of course our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. You've probably heard of Scientology. There's a lot of talk about us, and we get it. People are curious. Well, we want to answer your questions. Because frankly, whatever you have heard, if you haven't heard it from us, I can assure you, we are not what you expect. An international movement emerged in the 1950s that became one of the wealthiest and most powerful organizations in the world. It is often described as a fringe religion, a cult, a science fiction group, or even a front for the CIA. It is riddled with a controversial history, sending over 5,000 of its members to not only infiltrate the United States government, but governments all over the world in order to steal classified information. This is Scientology. So to better understand Scientology, We first have to talk about the individual who created it all. So Hans, can you start it off for us and tell us a little bit about L. Ron Hubbard? 
Now, just like Aaron stated, Scientology was created by an individual named Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, a.k.a. L. Ron Hubbard. He was born in Nebraska on March 13, 1911. Ron was the only child of Lador May, who was a teacher, and Harry Ross Hubbard, who was a former United States Naval officer. In 1913, at only two years old, Ron's family moved to Montana, where they spent the next few years living. Then, in April of 1917, during World War I, Ron's father decided to rejoin the Navy. Because of this, his family repeatedly relocated around the United States and overseas. All that moving, however, didn't stop Ron from being actively involved in the Boy Scouts. In 1924, two weeks after his 13th birthday, Ron earned the rank of Eagle Scout, which is the highest attainable rank one can achieve in the Boy Scouts. And it's really hard to get, by the way. It is. Yeah, I only know, I think, one person who has it. Side note, I was in Boy Scouts, and it was so hard to get my Eagle Scout project because you have to do, like, a project. And mine was, like, building handicap ramps for uh, rental cabins. And they said no. I mean, I was fronting all the wood, and I had all the suppliers. They just said, no, that wasn't good enough. Dang. Strict. Dude, it was. Very strict. All right. So three years later, after achieving a Eagle Scout, in 1927, Ron's father was stationed at Guam. However, Ron instead decided to live with his grandparents in Montana. He didn't want to go to Guam. Only one year later, in 1928, Ron wasn't doing too great in high school, and he was dropped due to failing grades. He ended up leaving Montana and decided to move with his parents in Guam. Upon his return, he spent much of his time writing dozens of short stories and essays. On September 24th of 1930, Ron began studying civil engineering at George Washington's University School of Engineering. In September 1931, he was placed on probation due to poor grades. During this time, Ron decided to organize a trip to the Caribbean to explore relics and collections for exhibits and museums. However, he ran low on funds and the ship's owner ordered it to be returned to Baltimore. Following this, Ron decided not to return back to school. Without a college degree and no job prospects, he turned back to writing sci-fi and horror stories to earn a living. However, he was only making a penny a word. And because of that low income, he had to write as many stories as he could. During the 1930s, Ron wrote under several different names and published stories across nearly every genre. Just a little side note here, he actually holds the Guinness World Record as the most published author in the world. Just something worth noting here. Now, even though he wrote so much, he became best known for his science fiction books. Some of them were so good that they even caught the attention of Hollywood. You guys remember that movie Battlefield Earth with John Travolta that was released in 2000? Yep. Well, L. Ron Hubbard actually wrote the book for that. Just a little another little knowledge nugget there for you. All right, so let's fast forward to 1941. World War II was happening at this time, and Ron decided to join the Navy Reserve and was promoted to lieutenant. Now, stories of his military career are a little odd. Scientology reports that he was a hero overseas and received 21 medals for his actions during war. However, official military records show that Ron never actually left the United States during the war. Now, there was one incident during the war that happened that is worth mentioning. Ron's ship was off the coast of Oregon and he had his crew fire upon what he thought was an enemy submarine. It turned out that it wasn't a submarine, and it was actually just a large floating log. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So because of this incident, Ron was relieved of his command over his ship, but he was still allowed to stay in the Navy on inactive duty. Then in 1945, he ended up moving to Los Angeles, and then in 1950 he officially resigned and left the military for good. Now, something worth noting here. We didn't mention it earlier, but Ron got married in 1933, and they had a kid together. 
So he was still married during his career in the Navy, and his wife was still staying in their home in Washington. However, as soon as Ron left the military, he decided to move to Los Angeles without even talking to his wife about it. Of course, Ron's wife was still living in Washington and refused to move to California. Ron stayed in California without his wife or children, but he did find a family of sorts. Now, this is where things get a little strange. At this time in California, Alistair Crowley, R. Crowley, whichever way you prefer to uh, pronounce it, he was leading a cult called Ordo Templi Orentis. Ron heard about this group and decided to join it. He moved in with scientist Jack Parsons, Jack's girlfriend Sarah, and other members of this Ordo Templi Orentis group, a.k.a. the Alistair Crowley group. Jack, Ron, and Sarah all three became good friends. Such good friends that, in fact, Sarah and Ron started sleeping together. But Jack didn't mind. Oh, Jesus Christ. Soon after that started occurring, a woman named Marjorie Cameron joined the group, and Jack started sleeping with her. Man, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of sex going on. Right. Now, these sexual encounters eventually became more occultish in nature. All of them wanted Marjorie to become pregnant with the spawn of Satan. Now, this apparently required Jack and Marjorie to perform a ritual while engaging in sexual relations. And Ron had to watch. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of freaks, man. Oh, God. After multiple attempts, the spawn of Satan was never born for Marjorie. <laughs> So like we mentioned earlier, Ron was having sexual relations with Sarah, who was Jack's girlfriend. Well, these relations grew into actual feelings, and the couple ended up getting married in 1946. Now, at this time, Ron was still legally married to his first wife in Washington, and it took her a year to find out that he got married to someone else. But, of course, once she did find out, she ended up filing for divorce. Shortly after the divorce was final, Ron and Sarah decided to move to Laguna Beach, then to Georgia, and then they finally settled in New Jersey. Now, it was here in New Jersey that Ron began writing a book that would serve as the basis for Scientology. On May 9th, 1950, that book was introduced to the world. It was titled Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health. In this book, Ron explained that each human individual has two minds, an analytic mind and a reactive mind. Ron stated that the analytic mind is normally in charge of making the daily decisions and judgments necessary for survival. But when humans get in these times of stress, pain, and other traumas, that the reactive mind takes over. Also, Ron states that negative experiences create lasting scars on the reactive mind, and they are known as Ingrams. Now, these Ingrams are bad for you. According to Ron, these Ingrams are the reason people experience psychological pain as well as physical pain. Ron even claimed that leukemia was caused by an Ingram. So, how do you get rid of these Ingrams? Well, according to Ron, you have to go through a new therapeutic process called auditing. So what is auditing? Well, it is where a person that needs to get rid of these Ingrams or Ingram has a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a counselor, a.k.a. auditor. The auditor asks the individual a series of questions designed to purge these unconscious bad memories from the reactive mind, a.k.a. Ingrams and allow the analytic mind to regain control. Now keep in mind, during this time that the book was released, World War II was over. Lots of individuals had PTSD, and families all around the world were dealing with that. So this, in combination with Ron's book that claimed to heal the mind, had people buying it in hopes that it would help them and their family members. The book quickly became a bestseller, and it was translated into several languages. So over the course of the next few months, Ron started touring the country and giving lectures on Dianetics. This increased its popularity immensely, 
and individuals started creating Dianetic groups across the country and even abroad. People started sending money to these groups, wanting to get their Ingrams cleared so that they could be healed, as well as wanting to learn how they could help others get rid of their Ingrams. Over the next couple years, groups grew and grew, and Ron introduced a new aspect to the auditing process. So you guys remember the auditing process, right? It's where people have bad shit in their head. They got to fix it. So a person asks them certain questions to help them get rid of that bad shit. So the new aspect that Ron introduced to this auditing process, he called an electropsychometer, a.k.a. an e-meter. Now this e-meter is supposed to measure the strength of small electrical current that runs through the body as the individual answers the auditor's questions. Now, during all this traveling and fame, Ron started having an affair with his public relations assistant, and his second wife divorced him. Only a little while later, while Ron was in Kansas, he met an 18-year-old girl, and they started dating. Things between them moved quickly, and they moved together to Phoenix, Arizona. During this period in Ron's life, he started expressing more of his ideas about psychology and the human experience. He had an idea of putting these thoughts and Dianetics together and forming a larger spiritual group with them. So in 1954, Ron officially created the Church of Scientology. Of course, individuals were curious as to what the church was, in which Ron stated that it had answers for nearly everything a human could want to know. Not only those things, but the church also claimed that they could repair families, educate, organize, and provide relief to families in times of illness or suffering. Those claims sounded good to a lot of individuals during that time, so a lot of people started joining. Now, this church also had ranks, and to move up higher in the church ranks, you had to spend money. Another thing was that if a person wanted to have a session with an official Scientology auditor, to get that nasty Ingram out of you and get healed, it would cost you $300 per session. Jesus Christ! Now, just a little FYI, we are going to go deeper into the beliefs of the church during Strange Facts and Findings, so just keep that in mind as we go forward. So with all these new members signing up, of course Ron was rolling in the dough. And by 1956, the Church of Scientology was officially considered a church in the eyes of the government and therefore was a tax-exempt organization. Now, just because Scientology was a church in the eyes of the government doesn't mean that it was without problems. The government started targeting the organization because they were worried about the health of its members. In 1963, the FBI raided the Church of Scientology in Washington, D.C., the FBI learned that Ron was taking millions out of the organization and Scientology lost its religious tax exemption status. Now, this pissed off Ron, so he created a new office within Scientology just to deal with negative publicity. Another organization that Ron created at the same time was called the Sea Org. Ron was afraid of the government getting him, so his solution to this was the Open Seas where he couldn't be touched. Sea Org was basically Scientology on the ocean, with its members living aboard three ships that Ron had purchased. Now, there was a catch with the Sea Org. To be welcomed into it and to be a part of it, you had to sign a contract saying that you would be loyal to Scientology for one billion years. Man, I didn't know people could live that long. They got your ass. That actually makes sense further in uh, Strange Facts and Findings. Yeah. Now, being on these boats, Ron still faced resistance from the governments. The Greek government was like, meh, you guys can't stay around here. And the same happened in Morocco. Ron himself was only on a boat for a few years, and in 1975, he returned to his life on land for good. Those years on the ocean didn't erase Scientology's problems with the governments. Ron was being chased by the French authorities and the U.S. authorities. So what was his solution to this? Well, he was going to keep himself hidden while the church kept fighting and Ron kept pulling the strings in the background. Now, 
Scientology did infiltrate the U.S. government, but we will talk about that during Strange Fact and Findings. So throughout the 70s and 80s, Ron's health wasn't so great. He was obese, he smoked constantly, and he ended up having a heart attack, a pulmonary embolism, and a motorcycle wreck. In his final years, he had a team of individuals who took care of him and his needs. In 1986, at the age of 74, L. Ron Hubbard suffered a stroke and passed away. Now, just a little knowledge nugget here. When he died, he hadn't made a public appearance in over six years. So he had been out of the public eye for a while. All right, so let's jump forward to 1993. This was seven years after Ron's death. The IRS decided to reinstate Scientology's tax exemption status as a church, in which, at that time, they had nearly $1 billion in assets. So, of course, Scientology today is still active. They have over 11,000 churches worldwide. The current active number of members that Scientology has is highly debated. Some people claim that there are between 25 to 55,000 active members. However, the Scientology website claims that there is over 4.4 million members. As of this month, Scientology as a whole is estimated to be worth $2 billion. Good Lord. So that is the life of L. Ron Hubbard and the creation of Scientology. Now this is where we're going to get into the juicy stuff. The strange facts and findings. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, who wants to start it off for us? Because this first part, we kind of talk about the beliefs. And uh, the first part of the beliefs is very interesting on how they say the universe was created and all that. It's kind of like science fiction. All right. The first strange fact and finding that we're going to discuss is the beliefs of Scientology. Now, this is going to be a general overview of their beliefs. To start it off, we're going to discuss the creation of the universe. This is their beliefs, by the way not solid stone of the creation of the universe. Just a FYI. So when it comes to the universe and its creation, what Scientology believes is that 20 to 30-ish billion years ago, before the universe even existed, that there was a galactic overlord named Xenu. Now, in this pre-universe universe, there was an overpopulation issue. This galactic overlord named Xenu had a master plan to take billions of people and put them on Earth which apparently didn't have people on it before. Now, instead of just letting these people live there on Earth, he put them around volcanoes and then detonated hydrogen bombs in the volcanoes to murder these people. These dead people's spirits then enter the physical human bodies who are born on the planet Earth, and they are called Thetans. Now, you need to eliminate your body's Thetan in order for you to remember the previous life you had before you died. It is sort of kind of like a reincarnation with a twist. Now, to dive deeper into their beliefs, we figured we would read off a short section from their website. So it says, Scientology addresses the spirit, not the body or mind, and it believes that man is far more than a product of his environment or his genes. Man is an immortal spiritual being. His experience extends well beyond a single lifetime. His capabilities are unlimited, even if not presently realized. Scientology further holds man to be basically good 
and that his spiritual salvation depends upon himself, his fellows, and his attainment of brotherhood with the universe. The ultimate goal of Scientology is true spiritual enlightenment and freedom for all. That is what their website said. And we decided to look into how one can achieve true spiritual enlightenment. And this is what their website said. When it comes to full enlightenment, there is a clear path to it. You have to follow three stages of self-improvement. These three stages are pre-clear, clear, and ultimately. Pre-clear is basically the normal individuals who are filled with Ingrams, you know, basically normal people. The second stage is clear. It is when a person gets rid of all their Ingrams. Now, if you don't know, remember what an Ingram is, it's basically where your unconscious bad memories come up from their reactive mind. You have to pay all that money and sit there and talk with a person in Scientology and get hooked up to an e-meter and get rid of all those bad memories. So that's how you clear the second stage. The third stage is ultimately, which means that instead of a person being controlled by matter, energy, space, and time, that the person can instead control it. And that is straight from their website. It's kind of like some Thanos stuff, right? Right. You can control matter, energy, space, and time. Hmm. The Infinity Stones. Good old Ronnie. I am inevitable. (laughs) 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 My God. That was good. Uh, That was good. All right. So what do they say about God? When it comes to God, they believe that the concept of God is something personal which lies within every single human being. It is also believed that humans are spiritual beings who attain godlike states through Scientology practices. Also, when a person dies, they believe that they continue to be reborn until they confront all their previous and current life traumas. That once a person realizes their true potential, that they are finally able to escape the cycle of rebirth and be one with God. So that's pretty much the basic beliefs of Scientology. And I guess that's why they make, made them sign the contract for the billion years. Yep, that's exactly why they make them sign the contract. So you better, uh, if you're a part of it and you sign that contract with the C organization, you better get rid of all your Ingrams and become one with God, right? So that's the first strange fact and finding we got. Let's go on to our next one, Hans. Tell us about this next one, which is a lot more spicy. All right. Our next strange fact and finding is called Operation Snow White. So what is Operation Snow White? Well, it was an attempt by the Church of Scientology to infiltrate governments all over the world and steal classified files on Scientology. This project included a series of infiltrations and thefts from 136 government agencies, foreign embassies, and consulates, as well as private organizations who were critical of Scientology. All of it being carried out by over 5,000 covert church members in more than 30 countries. It was the single largest infiltration of the United States government in history. So how did this operation all start? Well, back in 1966... L. Ron Hubbard created a branch of Scientology that was called the Guardian's Office. So this Guardian's Office, their purpose was to protect the interests of Scientology. Now, there wasn't just one Guardian Office. There were multiple all around the world. L. Ron himself oversaw all of them. But it was his wife at the time, Mary Sue, who held the title... Commodore Staff Guardian. After its creation in 1973, the Guardian's office began a massive infiltration of governments around the world. Individuals gathered documents relating to Scientology as well as others connecting L. Ron Hubbard to any criminal activity. After the files were gathered, L. Ron Hubbard himself wrote a new order called the Guardian Order 732. So this 732 order called for the removal and correction of erroneous Scientology files. He was like, you better correct that. Shortly after that, another order was drafted, titled Guardian Order 1361. This one called for an infiltration of the Los Angeles and London offices of the IRS, 
the Department of Justice, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the U.S. Coast Guard Intelligence Service, the National Institute of Mental Health, and the American Medical Association. Also, the Guardian office started recruiting their own field agents to keep up with the demand of the infiltrations. They also gave rewards to the covert Scientologists who carried out successful missions of retrieving the information, eventually removing these quote-unquote false reports and collecting the information wasn't enough. The individuals were eventually tasked with planning false information and records. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And honestly, this entire Operation Snow White, it should be its own episode. It is mind-blowing at some of the stuff that they were able to pull off. And uh, we should actually look at creating its own episode later on. So, just a little FYI. Add it to the list. Yeah. So, when did this uh, operation end? This operation ended in July of 1977, when the FBI raided the Church of Scientology locations in Los Angeles, Hollywood, and Washington, D.C., The Los Angeles raid involved 156 FBI agents, which was the most that had ever been used in a single raid. It lasted 21 hours and filled a 16-ton truck with documents and items. Holy moly. Wow. Imagine being a part of the FBI team that had to review all of those documents. Good Lord. There's like two people and like, we've got to work for you. Opens up the trailer and like, oh. (laughs) In August of 1978, 11 high-ranking members of Scientology were indicted on 28 charges. One of the indicted was Mary Sue Hubbard, wife of L. Ron Hubbard. Over the course of the investigation, the Church of Scientology would attempt to have a judge removed and would subpoena almost 150 federal agents in what appeared to be a large stalling scheme. Seven of the 11 members of the Guardian's office pleaded guilty to just a single count of conspiracy to obstruct justice. On December 6th, 1979, some five years after Operation Snow White began, it officially came to an end. Five of the Scientologists were sentenced to four years in jail, with four of the convicted being taken immediately. Mary Sue Hubbard, the wife of L. Ron Hubbard, was sentenced to five years in prison, and that is Operation Snow White. And I wish I could say that is the craziest thing that they've been a part of, but man, (laughs) it is far from that because uh, there's a lot more weird and crazy things that they've been a part of, like this next strange fact and finding. Now, our next strange fact and finding is about another operation. This one is called Operation Freakout. So, what was this operation all about? Well... There was this New York freelance writer and journalist named Paulette Cooper. She had begun researching Scientology in 1968, and in 1969, she wrote an article in a British magazine that criticized the church and pretty much bashed it. So Scientology heard about this article and got pissed, and they wanted her either sent to jail or to a mental institution. So the church's guardian office started collecting information about Paulette so that she could be, and I quote, handled. There was also orders to, and again, I quote, attack her in as many ways as possible and undertake a wide-scale exposure of her sex life. Those were the plans. However, they started off slow, like painting her name and phone number on street walls. Shortly after that, she started receiving obscene phone calls as well as anonymous death threats. It doesn't stop there, though. They subscribed her to porno magazine mailing lists and even mailed her neighbors letters claiming that she had a venereal disease. Yeah, (laughs) it was messed up. And this is kind of scary. Like, it's scary to think about that they did this to her for just writing an article. Ugh, defamation. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do to us. This is doxing to the max. Oh, yeah. And when you think it couldn't get any worse, it, it does. So in December of 1972... A woman who was with Scientology went in and stole a bunch of stationary paper from Paulette's apartment. A few days later, the New York Church of Scientology received two anonymous bomb threats. When the police analyzed the paper that the bomb threats were sent on, 
it was found to be Paulette's stationary paper with her fingerprints on it. She was then indicted for making bomb threats. However, the charges were eventually dropped in 1977 when the FBI discovered that the bomb threats had been staged by the Guardian's Office of Scientology. How scary is that for them to be able to frame her that well? They doxed her. They signed her up to porno magazines, mailing lists. Mini magazine day. And then, uh, you know, they stole paper and made it look like she was uh, doing bomb threats. That's scary, man. So um, let's head on to our next strange fact and finding. Dan, what do you got for us? So our next strange fact and finding is some more information about L. Ron Hubbard and his connections with Aleister Crowley or Crowley, whatever you prefer. So all of you remember the guy, Jack Parsons, that Elrond became friends with and started banging his girlfriend, Sarah, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jack wrote a letter to Alistair that was pretty strange and worth mentioning. And it said... Elrond Hubbard is a gentleman. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. He moved in with me about two months ago. From some of his experiences... I have concluded that he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence. It's kind of weird for him to say that. Yeah. Now, if that wasn't strange enough, it gets a little weirder. So Jack and Elrond collaborated on what is called Babylon Working. Now, Babylon Working is a sex magic ritual intended to summon an incarnation of Babylon who is the supreme Thelemite goddess. So over several nights in February and March of 1946, Jack and Elrond performed this ritual in order to summon this elemental. Oh my God, this, this ritual is pretty weird. Um, Dan, <laughs> tell us about it. Now, there was an entry in a diary that described this ritual. The ritual started off with Jack masturbating to whip up a vortex of energy in the name of spiritual advancement to summon the elemental, while Elrond, who was the scribe, scanned the astral plane for signs and visions. So yeah, pretty much uh, they were sitting in a room together. Jack was just beating it, trying to get the energy going up, and Elrond was just like meditating. So apparently this ritual worked. Because you guys remember that, um, remember that chick Marjorie Cameron? Mm-hmm. Well, she showed up only a few days after this ritual, and that was a sign that she was the elemental. That's what they said in their diary. How many times did they perform this ritual? I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, my God. All right. So what's our next strange fact? So our next strange fact in finding revolves around additional documents that were obtained by the FBI and released. These documents revealed a plan to frame the mayor of Clearwater, Florida, Gabe Cazars, with a stage hit-and-run accident. Now, that isn't the only thing that the documents revealed. So real quick, there's an organization called the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. They basically research and discredit any organization that makes certain claims. Now, this committee discredited Scientology, and of course, they got pissed about it. So they made plans to discredit that organization by spreading rumors that it was a front for the CIA. So, yeah, anybody who goes against Scientology, they pretty much are targeted. And I'm 100 percent sure we're going to be targeted since I ended up calling the Boston office for Scientology and tried to get an interview with them in any sort of way. And they completely refused any type of interviews, any type of interactions whatsoever, even though I was like, hey, I'm not going to paint you guys. In a bad view, I just want to ask a couple questions to make sure our story is right. They refused it all. That's because we're talking about them. Yeah, and it's kind of scary that they were going to frame the mayor, uh, one of the mayors in Florida, for a staged hit and run. I wonder what they're going to do to us. I guess time will tell. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about Scientology in France. So this is pretty interesting. Um, in 2001, several officials of Scientology were convicted of embezzlement. Then in May of 2009, Scientology was accused of being an, an organized fraud and the church was officially listed as a dangerous cult. Now, in this specific 2009 case, 
Basically, what had happened was a woman said that she was offered a free personality test and then was pressured into paying large sums of money. This trial results in several of its leaders in France being found guilty of fraud and fined. Now, France isn't the only country that Scientology has some beef with. The United Kingdom Scientology has been accused of grooming City of London police officers with gifts worth thousands of pounds. You know the Queen was like this, I run this country. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and uh, we did a good episode over the Queen. So the British royal family, actually. So if you haven't listened to that, go take a listen to that. It's uh, on our Patreon. All right, so what's this next strange fact? This next one is about the Cult Awareness Network. The Cult Awareness Network took calls like every day, exceeding, you know, 16,000 at times, trying to help coach or support worried families who had lost loved ones to cult-like religions. They had been working for 20 years helping people and trying to expose religions that operated for profit. So the Church of Scientology launched over 50 separate lawsuits against this cult awareness network on every charge that they could think of. However, all of these charges were being thrown out left and right by judges, except for one that finally stuck. Uh, Scientology eventually won a lawsuit, which made the cult awareness network pay $2 million, which forced the cult awareness network to file for bankruptcy and then guess what scientology bought them out <laughs> that's messed up that is oh man let's go to the next strange fact and finding the next strange fact and finding that we are going to cover is about the divorce between ron and his first wife so when ron's first wife found out that he got married to sarah she filed for divorce now something odd worth mentioning is what she said in the divorce papers. Ron's first wife noted in the papers that she was being subjected to systematic torture, beatings, strangulations, and scientific torture experiments. Holy cow. Yeah, so that's, that's strange. And it kind of goes along with our next strange fact and finding. Which, this one occurred in 2012. So there was a woman named Debbie Cook who ran a spiritual mecca for 17 years. She came forward and accused the church of repeated accounts of screaming, slapping, and being made to stand in a trash and waters poured over you in efforts to confess her sins. This was all done in, quote unquote, the hole, which is located at Scientology's international base in California. Now, Debbie claims that she was taken there against her will and forced to stay for seven weeks. You know, whenever they were slapping her and screaming her and told her, repeat her, confess your sins, and they threw trash on her and water over her and all that stuff. So this information came out. Debbie spoke about it, and the church did respond to this claim. And you would think that they would deny it. However, they didn't. They said that uh, Debbie voluntarily participated in their program of what they call religious discipline. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, my God. Poor Debbie. So, this next strange fact and finding is regarding David Miscavige. Now, David is the current head of Scientology. He took over for L. Ron Hubbard after he kicked the bucket. In 2006, David's wife, Shelley Miscavige, filled some job vacancies without the permission of her husband. She hasn't been seen in public since. There was a missing persons case filed to the police, but David did call them and the case was closed. That's scary. That is a little scary. Look, you filled these vacancies without my approval. How dare you? Yeah, Miss Cabbage. So what's this next strange fact and finding? So our next strange fact and finding is about Narconin. Now, Narconin is a worldwide organization that operates several dozen rehab centers that help individuals get off drugs. So how it works is that the individuals who are drug addicts are sent to these facilities, spend up to five hours a day getting purified in a sauna, given only books by L. Ron Hubbard to read, and the techniques for substance abuse treatment and addiction methods that are used are only Scientology approved. Now, for a little while, it was considered a rumor that this Narconon was connected to Scientology until it came out that it actually was. 
So this organization was formed in 1966 by Scientologist William Benitez with L. Ron Hubbard's help. Well, Narconon's parent company is the Association for Better Living and Education, which is owned and controlled by the Church of Scientology. So I guess it's a way for them to get drug addicts and turn them into Scientologists, get more members, I guess. I'd see that as how it is. Yeah. Okay, so who wants to tell us about uh, our last strange fact and finding? Well, this last strange fact and finding is regarding the E-meters. On January 4th, 1963, the founding church of Scientology building in Washington, D.C., U.S. Marshals raided the building and seized more than 100 E-meters. Now, of course, these E-meters were the devices used in the help of getting rid of Ingrams. So the church was accused of making false claims that these devices effectively treated some 70% of all physical and mental illnesses. The FDA also stated that the devices did not bear adequate directions for treating the conditions for which they were recommended. Now, Scientology did file an appeal, and the e-meters were returned with the direction that they should be used only in religious counseling, and that all meters referring literature must include label disclaiming any medical benefits. So they were like, look. Just put directions. Yeah, just put directions and say that they can't, you know, they can't heal you. But they can help. Yep. Now, I know there are like a ton more of strange facts and findings regarding Scientology, and that could also honestly fill an entire other episode. But due to some time constraints and uh, us wanting to get into theories, we're just going to hop right into theories and move on to that. Because we do have some very, very good theories. So, Hans, tell us about this first theory. Well, this first theory is that everything Scientology believes in is true. That L. Ron Hubbard was right about all his teachings in advancing the human spirit. But the elites are actually reptilian overlord aliens who thrive off making human slaves. So they discredit everything L. Ron Hubbard said to make him sound crazy for no one to believe him. I don't agree in everything he says. Uh, actually, a lot of the stuff I don't agree with, but I can see that, you know, the media tries to discredit them. And honestly, our next theory kind of is similar to the previous one, but it's more in depth. Do you guys want to hear about that one? Of course. Yeah. All right. So to start off this theory, this next one, let's talk about how much media we consume. So Americans, on average, consume a staggering 15.5 hours of media every day. What we watch and read clearly has an impact on what we think and, of course, the public opinion, which is why it is so important that journalists tell us the truth, right? Mm -hmm. The media is tasked with delivering that unbiased truth to the public. And news networks pride themselves on being truthful. For an example, CNN's slogan is, quote unquote, most trusted name in news. And Fox News has a tagline that says, fair and balanced. Now, what we know for a fact is that the media has a checkered past full of propaganda campaigns. For example, beginning in the 1950s, during the Cold War years, the CIA used journalists to influence public opinion by planting false information through a program called Operation Mockingbird, which we did an episode over on Patreon. And if you haven't listened to that one, we definitely highly recommend you go and listen to that. And then come back. Come back. Another example of the media's checkered past is the suppression of information and misleading news articles and advertisements by the tobacco industry. They knew as early as 1950 that cigarettes cause cancer. But this information was suppressed until 1998, when they were forced to acknowledge the physical dangers of smoking. So, naturally, it's not difficult to see the pattern here. Powerful players in government and multi-billion dollar corporations want to protect their interests, so they use their media connections to develop propaganda campaigns that turn the tide in their favor. What does this have to do with Scientology? Well, the media networks are the main ones that bash and discredit Scientology. 
However, they don't bother interviewing any of the members of Scientology who are still in good standing with the church. The media networks also overlooked the fact that the ex-Scientologists that they interviewed were kicked out of the church for unethical behavior. Vocal ex-Scientologist sources like Rhea Remini and Mike Rinder have even admitted that they were paid by television networks to provide sensational accounts of the evils of Scientology. So that leads us to the question, who would benefit from the main news media discrediting Scientology? Well, there is a theory that this answer is Big Pharma. Now, this multi-billion dollar industry, Big Pharma, pulls the strings on mainstream corporate media. Almost every major media outlet in the United States shares at least one board member with at least one drug company. And it doesn't stop there. Pharmaceutical companies spent over $3 billion per year on drug advertisements. FDA drug trials are fast-tracked and medical journals are paid to promote the new wonder drugs. One in six Americans are on psychiatric drugs, including hundreds of thousands of children under a year old. Big Pharma is everywhere, and it stops at nothing to expand its hold on American minds. Scientologists oppose psychiatric drugs because of their beliefs that they have harmful effects on the mind and body. Scientology is one of the few organizations in the world that stands up against the belief that psychiatric drugs are the only solution to mental health. So this entire theory is that Scientology's beliefs work and that humans don't need pharmaceutical drugs to help or heal them, that their mental and physical illnesses are all healed by Scientology's methods. However, Big Pharma wants to stop this. So there's this gigantic, funded, coordinated misinformation campaign that is bankrolled and controlled by Big Pharma to stop the spread of information by Scientology and to paint them as a crazy religion that doesn't know anything. And that's our second theory, which that one went pretty deep, you know? It it's got some stuff to back, to back it, but... I, I don't know if I can stand on that one, you know? I mean, I, I do dislike Big Pharma, big time, but I, I don't really like that one. No. All right. So before we start, I guess, saying our public opinions, let's get to the next couple theories. What's the next one we got? All right. This next one we got is that everything that Scientology believes is all made up. That L. Ron Hubbard made all the beliefs up to create a religion, control people, and make loads and loads of money. Well, what we do know is that he did create a religion, he did sort of control people, and he did make loads and loads of money. So That he did. All right, Hans, so tell us about this next theory. Well, this theory revolves around the question of, if Scientology is so bad, then why are people and celebrities still joining it? Now, there is a theory that explains this. This theory is that the audit sessions are used to control and keep individuals in Scientology. To break this down even further, during audit sessions, a Scientologist is told to admit their innermost secrets in order to reach spiritual enlightenment. So these sessions are recorded and filmed. What if it is a way for them to trap people into staying with the church for the fear of being exposed? It's speculated that this is how Scientologists have been able to keep not only regular people, but famous celebrities in their organization, such as Tom Cruise, John Travolta, many others. They blackmail them with threats to expose their confessions. I can see this, 100%. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's go into the last theory, is that there's kind of like a rumor slash theory that L. Ron Hubbard had his sperm frozen and that Scientologists then use his sperm on the female members to give birth to L. Ron Hubbard's offspring. Now, there's no, no facts or documents or anything to back this theory up. It's just pure speculation. And I saw it in an article that Possibly one of the celebrity women celebrities that were inside there, her baby was one of L. Ron Hubbard's offspring. 
I mean, they got the money to do it if they wanted to do that, right? Two billion. They do whatever they want. I mean, that's part of one of their survival dynamics. If you actually like go in and read up more about their dynamics, there's like eight different dynamics on it. One of them is like creativity, which used to be just categorized as sex, which it's either performing sex or having sex to have a family to pass on yourself or whatever. Okay. It's kind of weird. Yeah, this whole thing is weird. Scientology is weird. And I'm not bashing things that are weird. I'm, you know, people can do whatever the hell they want to do. Do whatever you want to do. It's your own life. Hey, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, but just be, you know, mindful of the organizations as you join and the people you hang out with. So I guess it kind of rolls us into personal thoughts and theories. We'll start with you, Dan. What is your whole thoughts on Scientology? Would you join them? Would you not join them? Do you believe it's all BS? What's your belief? I don't believe it. I would not join for the fact that I don't want to be controlled. I don't want someone telling me what to do. I don't want to have to follow so many rules on how to live. I mean, some of it sounds good, but that's how they always get you in there. They always tell you like all the good things. But then when you get in there, like what? You get beat. You get like, you know, tortured and shit if you do something wrong. You got to confess your sins or they throw water and trash on you. And then you get hooked up to a meter and you got to go in a room while... You tell this lady all your personal stuff. Our man could be a man or a lady or whatever. I don't know. 300 bucks to have an auditor work on me to clear my ingrams of my past lives and stuff. I don't know. Then pretend that I'm being cured of my illnesses. No, I'm good. Okay. What about you, Hans? You think it's real? Would you join? No, I wouldn't join. And I think it's all a sham. Hate to be this person, but I'm going to tell you my personal thought on this. That this is a CIA front, but this was the earliest version of mass MK Ultra experimentation that it's being used to this day. Because when you look at these stars and famous people that are, you know, still in Scientology, they won't ever say anything bad. They'll look at it and be like, I love L. Ron Hubbard's teaching. I love this. I love Scientology. I mean, who's to say that, you know, L. Ron wasn't a person they used to push forth mind control techniques and then it kind of got out of hand and you know now they're torturing people and it's already a religion and the government can't really be like hey you need to stop it because it's a religious belief at this point we can't infringe on their religious beliefs because that's what we as a america were founded on the freedom of religion that's true i like that because that's one of my beliefs as well is that this was some CIA mind control experiment initially created by the CIA to see how well that they can mind control individuals. Yeah, and infiltrate other governments. Yep. Make a religious organization do the work for you. Boom. We just discovered what Scientology is all about. That's right. It's a way for the CIA also to launder their money. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also kind of weird that they have their own security force at the main, like, headquarters in California. Because if members try to escape the compound, they will send that security force to retrieve them before they can exit the gate. Oh, yeah. And it's got, like, um, barbed wires, yes. electric fence, sensors. This thing's like the Fort Knox of a religious building. Yes. Doesn't sound like a cult to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't this like all start up when uh wasn't it Tom Cruise jumping on the couch on Oprah or some shit? Nah, he he's always been kind of like a Scientology guy that's been open about it. He did a couple interviews with 60 Minutes where he was asked about Scientology and he's answered a couple questions about it. Um, but yeah, that's my belief as well, Hans, is that it was like a CIA front uh, for mind control and for them to infiltrate other governments. I like that. You know, that's a good one. Yep. And if it's not that, then my second choice would be uh, it was just a way for Elrond to make money. Pyramid scheme? Pyramid scheme, yeah. Join and make money. I mean, made a shit ton of money. Yeah. Anyways, y'all got any final thoughts you want to add to today's episode before we move to on the scene? You know what? You're allowed to believe in whatever you want to believe in. We're not bashing anybody for their beliefs, whether you want to believe in Scientology, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Whatever. We all will support you in whatever endeavor that you choose. But we're just stating what we find strange about this uh, religious-like cult. 100%. All praise Bigfoot. Yeah, join the Bigfoot cult. Anyways, 
All right. Well, that's the end of the episode today. Uh, Scientology, please do not come and stalk us. All right. So now we're going to move to on the scene. If you aren't familiar with what on the scene is, it is where individuals, a.k.a. listeners, go out onto the streets and interview random people and ask them about the current conspiracy and happenings that are going on all around the world. So this week, we have an on-the-scene from Harry, which we will play right now. All right, this is Harry Scalawag for Theories of the Third Kind, Voices of the Street. I'm here with New York City mayoral hopeful Curtis Sliwa, who is the founder of the Guardian Angels, and he just gave a press conference regarding the New York City mask mandates. Mr. Sliwa, I know that you said during your uh, press conference that you were against the mask mandates. Uh, I have to ask you, how much do you feel the mask mandates are based on medical science or on medical profit? Well, you know, it's uh, really difficult to know because remember Dr. Fauci at first said you don't have to wear the mask, and then they doubled back on that. Then de Blasio recently said, you know, if everybody gets vaccinated up and they're fully vaccinated, they won't have to wear masks. And now they're bringing us back to where we were. So, you know, in my mind, the political process here is filled with fake, phony, fraudulent fugazis who say one thing and then all of a sudden change. I would much rather the professionals who have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis speak, not the Fauci's of the world, who's a political doctor, or our elected officials who know little about anything when it comes to the science. One last comment before you go. Um, Regarding how Cuomo just uh, decreed that all health work have to be mandated, I mean, sorry, vaccinated, uh, how do you feel that the fact that he's resigning in disgrace, but yet he's still allowed to make decrees? Well, it's ridiculous, uh, but he would never give up the pen of an executive order. He'd take it to the grave if he had to, like all these elected officials. Number one, I'm a union member, SAG, after 30 years, and no way should they be telling, especially unionized workforce, that they have to have a mandated vaccine. If you don't want a vaccine, get tested every week, wear a mask. It's that simple. But to insist that people have vaccines is a violation of rights. And this is America. We're free. The last time I looked, this is all about freedom. All right. Thank you, Mrs. Leo, for your time. Thank you. I wish you luck on the campaign trail. Thanks. Coming in hot for season four. Not holding back. People say, oh, you hold back. What about that, huh? They're being censored. (laughs) Man. That was a great interview. It was. Harry, just completely coming through, just like every week. Love you. Thank you for that excellent interview for the start of season four. Excellent. See, got you, Harry. Got you. Yeah, we love it, Harry. Good job. Yes. Now stop mugging people on the streets. <laughs> so um, if you want to do a on-the-scene interview, just make sure you record it. Make it two minutes or less. Submit it to one of our emails. If you don't know what our email is, just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on contact, and there you will find our email addresses. Submit it, attach the audio file to it, send it to us and say, hey, here's an on-the-scene, play it, and we will play it. Now, we do have like a queue of people that are in line to be played, so if you submit it, it may be a few weeks before we get to yours, so just keep that in mind going forward. Yes, we will We will add it. Trust us. We won't forget. Yes. But thank you again, Harry, for the great on the scene this week. Love you. Yes, sir. I love you. All right. So now we're going to do some quick shout outs before rolling out. By the way, uh, if you haven't followed us on Instagram, we each have our own personal Instagrams. You can go take a take a follow. Just go to our Theories of the Third Kind Instagram. We have a link on that that shows it all. Did you make yours public finally? No, I made it private still. Mine's public. What a turn. All right. So I'm just going to go through a couple names here. Um, Eric Kane, Amber, Katie Johnston, uh, Emma, Aubrey Kane, Brittany Chenault, Brittany Chenault, Caleb Gavin, Haley F., Molly Silvers, Abbas Kokahan, Brittany McKinney, Jason, Mona Toledo, Devin, Callie, Nick, Stephanie Stewart, Hunter, Jessica Cronin, Brandy Rosemary, and got a couple more, Becca Passano, Joe, Raquel, 
Ryan, Josie, Jason, Tiffany, Jackson, and Justin. Shout out to all you guys on Instagram. If I missed you, I will get you next week. I'm sorry. We've been on that extended long break and we're finally back. So shout out to you. I love you all. All right, Dan, what do you got for Facebook shout outs? All right. So we got Eric Kramer, Eric G, Zach H, Steve L, uh, Bobby Sorensen, Alex River, Rivera, probably said that wrong, Justin B, Ryan H, Nick Peterson, Marcos Mata, Cody Ruhlman, Daryl Rector, then uh, uh, Catherine Smith. This is a late one. She got engaged at the end of June. Just wanted to say congratulations. Congratulations. Congrats. Then I actually just got a recent one on Instagram. I'm still learning Instagram. That's right. I'm Asian, but I don't know social media. But uh, let's see. Anzi, anxiety on Instagram. She wanted to give a shout out to her boyfriend. who His birthday is on the 27th and he's going to be 21 years old. It would honestly mean the world to me if you could do that because he has always been there for me and I just want to show my appreciation somehow. They listen to our podcast every night before they go to sleep. So shout out. Happy birthday to Anxiety's boyfriend. And thank you for listening. Yeah, so his name is Gabe. So happy birthday, Gabe. Happy early birthday. Sorry if it's early for you listening to this. But I hope you have a wonderful birthday. And uh, Mona wrote us all a message. She wanted to let you know that she um she loves you more than you love her so happy birthday yes happy birthday all right hans what do you got for shout outs all right uh not too many i'd like to shout out uh mac holly 27 dennis is a god warden of the homestead i perceive art and art and astrology um Queen Pen Jamie, Zumba Zombie, Tasha MJ, Tori Renee, Harry Scallywag, Aubrey Kane again, look at that, double hitter, Lissa Davis, Thin Glizzy, and Jazzy Faye. Oh, I got one more shout out on Discord, Sloop. Uh, shout out to him. I needed some help on the website writing some code, and he sent me a message with what code to put in, and it fixed it. So shout out to you. Thanks for the help. Dude, nice. Yep. Of course, you know, during our break, we were on Discord more. It's been a blast on there. If y'all haven't joined, y'all need to join. Just saying. And to get access to our Discord, you have to join our Patreon. And that's how you get access to it. And there's instructions on how to sync up your Patreon and Discord and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, do y'all got any anything else you want to say before we roll out this episode? It's good to be back. It is great. We are back and locked and loaded for season four. Absolutely. All right. Well, I just want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You are all amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Hans, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone.